Hello, and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we discuss and review movies, TV shows, and pretty much anything else pop culture. Today, we're doing a rundown of all the latest revelations coming out of DC Phantoms event, along with our thoughts on the recently released The Last Duel. My name is Emmett, and I'm joined once again by my co-host and Halloween Town's public defender, Ivan. Pro bono public defender, too. Yeah, there was a lot of crime in that movie if... uh back in 1998 half the town (laughs) it's less populated now they needed you so what's going on we got uh we got a bunch of dc launches uh a week or two after Comic-Con. Yeah, I think before we get into all of that, like that's I, I guess that's my first point is like, where the heck was all this stuff at Comic-Con? I, like, I don't know about you, but I feel like this event was promoted for the longest time, especially on social media. Like people were hyping it up and we knew they were going to showcase like the Batman. We we're going to see our first look at Aquaman, the Flash. But given the actual content of it i feel like a lot of this would have been better served at an event like comic-con uh to just kind of add to what's already being shown there i feel like none of this really needed its own standalone event and i'm not the only one saying that like i feel like that's been the uh opinion of most people online yeah like their their target audience is grouped together they're excited they're thinking about comic books and it seems like they missed their shot on that one it's unfortunate too because they actually did treat this like a very fan-centric event but i feel like i got a lot more excitement out of the disney plus stuff that they did about a year ago you know when they announced all the disney plus shows and stuff like i feel like Mm -hmm. that was better handled than this that's probably just because marvel's better than dc but but who's counting (laughs) it's not for us to decide that's not um, me saying it. That, that that's the world saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I listed a whole bunch of things out here for us, but I feel like I'd be doing us all of the service if I went item by item. So I think I'm just gonna pick like the three big things that I really am looking forward to and just talk about that real quick. Yeah. So I think we'll I'll, I'll just run down um, the the shorter list of the stuff. Yeah. Let's that just I feel do like the highlights, the the big ticket items of uh of DC. And I think we can both, Jen, after that, chat in about um, the Batman. I think we could, could just kind of save that for last. Because I feel like that's that was kind of the, the tone of the whole event, too. That's the marquee. Is, yeah. Yeah. It's like you bought your ticket for Batman, but we're not going to show you. And you got all this other crap that DC yeah. pushed on you. <laughs> it, I was telling you, 80% of this event was DC TV. DC TV kind of had a little bit of my attention. I'm a huge fan of the animation stuff that they do. Now, for those um, not familiar with it, um everybody else out there not us obviously but what's uh what how would you describe dc tv is that a network um no that's basically just an umbrella term for anything that they're doing on television so the live action stuff on cw the live action stuff on hbo max uh the live action stuff that was previously on dc universe uh rest in peace dc universe um and is now also a part of HBO Max and the animated stuff that they've been doing. So stuff like Young Justice, uh, Teen Titans. Um, I We're think, all like... yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> okay. So 
for uh, on the animation front, they announced and actually surprised a lot of people with uh, dropping the couple episodes of the fourth season of uh, the show called Young Justice, which I thought has been the best DC animated series that they've done since like the old Justice League Unlimited cartoon from their I want to say it was the late 90s, early 2000s, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, they, they dropped the news, like the first two episodes of the season. So anybody who's looking forward to it, I would suggest you check it out. It's actually pretty good. Um, narratively, it's been one of the best shows that they've done in recent history. Uh, but that was one of the highlights for me. Um, the rest of DC TV stuff, I think you and I have kind of like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, talk down a bit about the DC TV live action stuff that they do over on CW. Um, if you're not a huge fan of that, most of this event kind of catered to it. So I can kind of feel why people didn't feel quite as strongly about it. Have you seen any of that DC TV stuff that they've done? So you're talking like the Supergirl, the Superman, Lois, Flash, all yeah. those things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never got into those and I, I don't know. I feel like I don't want to. It's kind of like an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. maybe has a little bit more substance than that. Uh, I, I will say, though, like the the freshman seasons of a lot of these CW shows are relatively good. It's afterwards that I feel like they play into like the soap operaness of, uh, of the CW format. Yeah, for ratings and and whatnot well i don't know i don't know if you feel the same way but i feel like most of the shows that i really really enjoy and they don't really taper off for me are the ones that are like maybe Gossip like Girl. yeah exactly <laughs> so that's much like stuff. the only cw show i can think of <laughs> no what i'm saying is like cw will have like 22 23 episode seasons of things and i feel like the majority of the stuff i enjoy now have short seasons like i'm talking 8 to 12 episodes at most hmm yeah, I am getting into that format as well. It just seems that narratively, it kind of forces the writers to to not take any space for granted. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's the that's kind of what they spent most of the time uh, announcing and, and showing off. But some of the bigger ticket items, the one that like, caught my eye are some of these movies the top one for me, obviously after Batman, is probably Black Adam, which has Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Do you mean the most electrifying man in sports entertainment? Yeah, I mean, he's every single entertainment field, right? Pretty much. And he literally is now the most electrifying man in movie and in, in, in sports entertainment. And he's also huge. <laughs> He got so ripped for this role, and he was already ripped. I know. There's no more space for his muscles in that. There's no need for a padded suit like they did with Jack Early. Yeah, it looks like when people wear those like fake suits, it's like, no, that's that's skin tight on him. <laughs> I've been looking forward to Black Adam. I'm into it Anderson. because of him, though. Like, I texted you after watching that trailer. I was like, this looks like a stupid version of Shazam, like a darker version. You were like, yeah, that's what they're going for because it isn't. <laughs> When I texted you that, I hadn't seen the uh, the reveal yet. So when I finally got a chance to look at it, it did seem a little bit too generic. Uh, but then again, it's 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 only like the it's kind of like a teaser of a teaser. Yeah, it wasn't a full trailer. It was like um, get excited for this coming out 
in typical the rock fashion um but that being said though like i don't know all of these dc things i'm not super excited about maybe i'm just like interested in do you feel like uh, a lot of and i think we kind of talked about this when we talked about the Zack snyder cut but had did, did you kind of start as more of a dc fan and then just kind of shifted over to marvel because of the quality of content I think I always was like Marvel because I was always like Tobey Maguire Spider-Man over like, I don't even know who the Batman was back then. Was it Costner or not Costner? Um, Keaton? No, I, I guess it was uh, Clooney. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I was always Marvel. And then I, I prefer having everything kind of interconnected. And that's where DC lose me. It's like the same thing with the, with Peacemaker. They're making a spinoff movie. I mean, I, I tried to keep my eyes open during Suicide Squad, but correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he die in that? <laughs> uh, he did not. If you saw the after the credit scene. Yeah, I probably fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of the opposite end. Like, I was really a, a huge DC fan growing up because of the animated movies. Oh, not, not movies, the, the animated shows that were on. And I feel like gradually I started becoming more and more into Marvel once they kind of began dominating, I guess, the uh, the live action space. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like for me, I'm really looking forward to, to to Black Adam, not just because of The Rock, because I feel like the rest of the cast seems pretty solid. Pierce Brosnan coming in and uh, playing the role of Dr. Fate. That's a character I've been wanting to see in live action for a very long time. Uh, but that was kind of my gripe with this preview. It's like, it was very short. They didn't really give you much. Um, and to be honest, like, why even show anything off if you don't have a teaser trailer fully ready? Yeah, it was really just to introduce the cast, which is like, I guess what they're going to try and use to carry this movie. And I like to your point, yes, they have a great, um, they have a great cast list here. So maybe that's enough. But then that doesn't really speak too much confidence into the plot of what they're doing. I think the big issue um, is that over at Warner Brothers, you don't have producers that understand their their fan base, nor do they understand the properties they're holding. Because if I were them, like somebody like Doctor Fate, you know, people have been hyping, ha- have been hyped to see him. So that's like the first thing I said to you when we met. I was like, dude, we need a Doctor Fate yes, movie, and exactly. you're like, hi, nice to meet you. I was like, exactly, finally, somebody who speaks my language. But for everyone else out, out there, who's Dr. Fate? So Dr. Fate <laughs> is a character that's part of a team that predates the ju- the Justice League called the Justice Society of America. Because everything is of America, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the Justice Society are like basically DC's efforts to canonize their golden age and like first their first heroes, basically. So stuff like the classic Flash um the classic version of green lantern all those characters like they made an effort to solidify them so that they don't necessarily get lost in history um to kind of elaborate a little bit like take marvel for example like those first iterations of iron man of um you know all the avengers focused characters we didn't they're very different from what they became ultimately uh, but where DC, what DC ultimately ended up doing is just making them separate characters. So Dr. Fate was part of that team. He's a magic-based uh, being that basically puts on this helmet from this ancient 
Egyptian high priestess, I guess. Um, and he he's one of the heavy hitters of DC when it comes to the magic realm. It good guy or bad guy? I guess that's kind of all my attention span has room for. <laughs> <laughs> um, primarily a good guy, but the thing that kind of makes him a bad guy is once you put on the helmet, you can't take it off. You're basically kind of been there taken off uh, or taken over by this uh, entity. Um, and then same question, but for Black Adam. <laughs> Black Adam is essentially it's basically a dark version of Shazam. So good guy. A bad guy. <laughs> Wasn't Shazam good guy? Yeah, what I mean is like a, a, a very twisted dark version of Shazam. So Black Adam is historically Shazam's oh, okay. greatest villain. So like I thought you Joker. just meant like the comic books are use mostly dark ink. <laughs> no, not at all. But that's um, what like every one of these movie trailers is, right? Like they're all steering into the like the darker uh tones. Sure, but hmm. you don't think so? I mean like look at Batman, like it seems like he's a very aggressive version of Batman that I don't think past movies have been comfortable to explore. Yeah, I, I guess I guess you're kind of right. I feel like, um, but that's the thing. Like when I, when I mean dark version of Shazam, I don't necessarily mean like tonally. I, I literally mean like Black Even. Adam has been a villain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You just use simpler words with me, man. That's all I'm asking for. He's evil. <laughs> That's yeah. I I give you good evil. You come at me with dark. Well, you're leaving that up to me to decide then. He's dark shades <laughs> of dark. He's like darker than Shazam, but in in more recent history, uh, and I'm talking like the 90s to now, they've been trying to paint Black Adam as kind of more of an anti-hero than a villain. Uh, but his origins are that he's a bad guy, and He's had multiple different origin stories, but he's essentially the first champion that the wizard chose. So he was the first guy that uttered the name Shazam and turned into a superpowered being. Okay. The interesting part about him is he's from ancient Egypt and he he's given this he's he's granted this power. I guess in the most the most mod, the most uh recent version of his origin story. It's him and his younger nephew who are granted this ability by the wizard. So they both have to come together, shout Shazam, and they turn into one being, which is Black Adam. Um, because he views his power as an opportunity to free his people, and his nephew is more like against violence, he's more of a pacifist, uh, he ends up murdering his nephew as they're transforming so that he can take all the power for himself. And then as a result, he refuses to say Shazam again, because if he were to come back into his normal form, he feels vulnerable. Because he refused to turn back into a human, he's been stuck that way since his time. So he's been immortal as long as he's in that uh, Shazam body. The reason why he's evil, I guess, in modern times is because he he becomes the ruler of his home country. Uh, I think it's called Kandak or something like that. Uh, but he positions himself as a dictator. That's kind of the basic origin story of him. Yeah, uh, basic. I be, I feel like I just watched the movie. Well, you did, so <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> now you've been you've been um, Beetlejuicing the other name here. You've said it too many times, and now it's coming true. Shazam. We got a second movie coming out for that. Yeah, one Fury wasn't and the enough. Gods. <laughs> I like Shazam one, man. I don't know what you I don't know what you're talking about. 
I think you might be the only person who did. Really? In this podcast. <laughs> I don't... Well... I know it was popular. I just don't get it. I feel like his face looks like it was CGI'd. <laughs> I, I will say... Like, my only criticism of the movie... In the comics, Billy Batson is supposed to be like eight or something. And so it makes sense that this eight-year-old kid then transforms into Shazam, right? Because they're like... Like, that. the kid's definitely not an adult. In the movie version... The kid's kind of like in his late teens or so. So, like, at some point, if you want to make a franchise out of this, you're, it's going to become really weird where it's, uh, you know, eventually the kid's going to be um, a man, I guess, transforming into a much bulkier man. Right, yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. The, they didn't really show off all that much from Shazam 2 either. It felt like a sizzle reel kind of thing. Yeah, it's like this event was, like, half-baked. Like, they had a few things ready to go and they're like well we need a little bit more for us to justify like doing this big of a, a show off all right just have the cast like give a little quick interview yeah it, it didn't feel like we were going to get um or it, it felt more from the promotions that we were going to get something really big like a trailer for each movie and i felt like that probably would have landed really well with the fans but uh this was definitely like almost like half-assed i guess well, that's DC. Like, they can't get any of their movies or plots to link together. So, why would we expect any different from their promotions? <laughs> true, true. Um, but on that trend, though, as we kind of ride that um, wave of, like, what's the highest, most anticipated thing? I, I think the second most anticipated project from that was shown off was The Flash. Uh, that Something that's been in production, mind you, since 2016. Yeah, so is this tied to Snyder's universe or no? That's the question that even I want some clarity on. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I think um, th this comes back to your uh, your note about interconnectivity within the films. Like, maybe it's because of the Marvel effect. Like, we all want things to be part of the same universe. But it sounds like, to me, like, DC isn't ready to commit to... To actually doing it but from what i've heard and this is only like you know from the grapevine Gossip. i guess yeah the flash is supposed to allow them to reset the timeline so to speak and from what i've understood they're looking to kind of marry the the zack snyder universe and this new branched i guess reality that they that they've started doing with aquaman uh how exactly and where like i don't know i think it's going to be very confusing because you have michael keaton coming back to play the role of bruce wayne but yet they also have um ben affleck coming back to reprise his role yeah maybe bruce wayne's grandpa <laughs> well originally they were talking about how this is going to be ben affleck's last outing as batman and yet we they kind of dropped that uh verbiage i guess from from the description of this movie so i don't know i mean this is supposed to be based off of flashpoint which in the comics rebooted the entire comic universe so i guess it kind of makes sense that way but i'll be honest with i never really liked ezra miller as the flash i thought it's not the best casting i did enjoy him in the snyder cut but as, apart from that i just i feel like it just he didn't quite get um 
synced into my brain, I guess, as the definitive um, Flash. Why? Was it his running form? It was his running form. <laughs> it was, you know, everything. <laughs> no, I, I think it was more so, like, the adaptation of the character. Like, he's nothing like the actual Barry Allen from the comics. Uh, he's a very big departure from the character, so it almost feels like he's not even... Like, he's playing... You could have named him something different, and it would have fit just fine. But, yeah, I, I am interested to see if they do connect that, because that's, like, the only big gripe I have with DC. Um, so that'd be interesting to see how it ties with Aquaman 2. Again, that's another trailer that I feel like we didn't really get that much. It was just, like, kind of a opportunity to show off Jason Momoa in a tank top. As you always should. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, they could have made at least made that, like, five minutes long <laughs> yeah aquaman 2 barely got anything it also got a sizzle reel treatment similar to shazam 2 so why don't we get to the enough sizzle let's get to the steak can we talk batman yes let's talk batman i love the batman <laughs> <laughs> you're um, into the robert pattinson i am I, I i didn't like i'm not seeing any issues with with his uh with his take on them but then again like basing my this opinion off of like four minutes of footage that we've seen so far between the two trailers yeah but he's an actor that like he takes his roles really seriously and does them really well yeah he's not just an actor he's an actor you know yeah except for twilight well even then you know what i'll go on a limb and say even then he was the highlight of that movie for me (laughs) the way that he stared at bella like that was that that's the way that i'd like to be stared at one day that was all CGI. Listen, I, I can. I don't need to hear that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I like that this movie looks dark. I think the only thing that gives me hesitation, or um, yeah, like just makes me worried a little bit, is I don't need or want to see Bruce Wayne as a kid watching his parents get shot again. I feel like these are origin stories like that and Spider-Man. We don't need to see Uncle Ben get shot. Like that's. That's what made Tom Holland's Spider-Man good was like, it's assumed everyone knows that story. You can you don't have to waste time on it. So I'm just hoping that we don't get too much like, and this is how this character is born. And then they looked like they're introducing like four other characters in that movie. It's like, I want enough time for everybody and not for it to feel crowded. It, do, it does feel like um, it, it kind of feels a little bit loaded, but I, I do have to say that I think not j- apart from the visuals, the the you know because like for for example the penguin played by Colin Farrell you can't even tell that's Colin Farrell that's that's like an insane level of uh of detail on them Paul Dano playing the Riddler um you know the the entire cast I think is like perfectly cast for me anyway is it too uh, much for one movie though I don't know w- what do you mean by that I mean like how many villains are you gonna put into into one movie well I think it depends on how many like how many of those villains are playing the key villain role you know like because otherwise you get the spider-man 3 treatment where you're trying to get right, Batman. Exactly. yeah but but also like spider-man 3 committed the the um the ultimate sin of like trying to make them all the primary bad guy um and look at look at something like spider-man homecoming we had how many three or four different villains in the movie and they didn't all play a huge role. It was only one primary villain, and the other ones kind of played a support. So long as it's handled like that, then I think we're fine. But it's when you try to have them all have 
significant roles is when this starts to crumble apart. Exactly. Speaking of which, Andy Serkis as Alfred, that's the one questionable casting. <laughs> Just because I can't help but... Is he Alfred? See... I yeah, he's I didn't Alfred. know who he was supposed to be. Yeah, no, he he's Alfred. Yikes. That's a little weird. After Michael Caine's performance as Alfred, though, like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can see anybody else's Alfred. That, that whole trilogy was just, everyone was perfect. Gary Oldman as um, Commissioner Gordon, Morgan I, Freeman as Lucius Fox. <laughs> I think we're going a similar route with this, though. Like, I, I do feel like we have a strong cast. I feel like everything's kind of almost like this is a grounded take on the Batman, but it's just comic booky enough to allow us to get some of these more like insane sequences, um, which I'm looking forward to. And at, at the same time, I also feel like, again, coming back to that interconnectivity issue, you're, t- you're releasing this movie in the same year that you're also releasing another movie with two other Batmans. Like at some point, there's going to be some brand confusion there, right? Yeah, that is that is a tricky part of it. Who's the best Batman? I guess is what we're going <laughs> coming of twenty twenty two. Yeah, That'll yeah. Be I mean, wrap up podcast of next year. It is going to be tricky because then it's also just going to be like, what and what capacity are they used in, and and how good is their movie around them? I don't know if you got the same feeling as I did after watching the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, but I feel like Ben Affleck was actually the perfect Batman uh, in most sense of the words. But like, I feel like they did him such a disservice by not, you know, like, I guess, giving him a heavier script to to use here. Um, but the, the, yeah, there there is coming a point where I feel like there's a lot. And while I love Batman, he's one of my favorite comic book characters. There's also oversaturation of him. Perfect might have been a stretch there, but I do agree that like the extended cut definitely made him made me appreciate him a little bit more. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like perfect. Like exactly. I He's perfect, all right? Don't don't you can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> Any last thoughts on DC before we move on to the last duel thoughts and review? I can't wait for Batman. Everything else I can wait, but I am interested in seeing. Well, um, it looks it looks like that's, you know, that's going to keep its release week because it seems like Marvel shifted off of their March releases for fear of competing with it. Yeah, so that I think I texted you that the other day, too. I was like, I, I wonder if it is because they're scared to compete with the Batman or like what? Because they literally shifted everything over two months or so. Yeah, um, I'm sure that's a variable within the equation. I mean, they could also just not be ready, but... There's also the Yahtzee strike that's that's taking place. And I don't know if it's actually gone into effect yet, but I know that the the union for uh, film and television... uh, Why am I I blanking? Uh, The union for uh, film and television workers has voted to go on strike. Um, and as a result, it sounds like pe- things are probably going to get pushed out about three months at the very least. It's going to cause a huge um, backlog of projects. Mm. I don't think we ever uh, talked about that per se, but 
for anybody unfamiliar with it, the IATSE is the union of all, basically any production assistant, from production assistants to editors, everybody's kind of represented by this. You, you have to, um, I guess, subscribe yourself to it if you want to work in, in the film industry. So the effects of this are going to be huge. And let's like, I hope it doesn't come to pass, but at the same time, like knowing, knowing the background of a lot of that work, I do hope that the workers end up getting better treatment and pay. As do I. All right, let's move on from the Batman <laughs> and the DC stuff, because I feel like this is as much coverage as we can get. Um, there's a lot more that we didn't get to, uh, but I feel like most of it, you know, there's probably other podcasts or stuff that will probably speak better to it. Uh, but these are just, uh, you know, highlights of what we thought was worthwhile. Yeah, let's move on to the last duel. Um, do you want to give your initial thoughts? Yeah, Adam Driver, man, what a specimen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, there's certain bits of dialogue that just kind of threw me off. Um, but I also feel like a lot of my criticisms of of that are kind of kind of fall a little bit flat when I look at it as a whole. I honestly thought that for you know, for, for the, the my one, I guess sad takeaway from the launch of this movie is the fact that it kind of bombed at the box office um which you and i have been kind of talking about box office numbers for the last couple of weeks or so but like it does feel like we've gotten to a point where we kind of feared we were going this route anyway but only the big blockbusters are going to attract people to the theater but if if you have an opportunity to watch this movie go and watch it i feel like this one's definitely worth experiencing it in the in the theater um and maybe honestly, leave the kids at home oh for sure <laughs> yeah i i did see three parents take kids in to see this Yikes. movie and i'm talking like four or six year olds or so uh so yeah i i don't i, I yeah definitely not a family movie um i i really i really liked it i thought the cast was stellar everything was done really well it's a story that I was vaguely familiar with only because I I think I mentioned to you offline, but like I, I read a book about this case a while ago, how there's been like there's been actual like debates held as to whether or not the events that transpired in this movie transpired as they're speculated to have or if it happened differently. Um, but yeah, I, I, honestly, like I thought this was a solid, solid film. Yeah, I agree. I would highly recommend it uh people go out and see this it's great action i think the cast played off each other really well adam driver matt damon uh jody comer ben affleck i thought they all worked off each other really well um i think like other movies of this like an era or type like the net the netflix movie the king Sometimes it can be kind of hard to follow just because it's like there's so many characters and there's so many different names that aren't like, you know, modern names that are easy to follow. So sometimes I was trying to like keep up with what they're talking about or just like the the dialogue or dialect that they're using was also a little tough. But um, it kind of felt like a little bit like a Game of Thrones sort of um with like all this like he said she said trials and then the combat and all that stuff like 
I really enjoyed it. And I, I, the first thing I like texted you after I watched it was like, was your movie theater like the sound as crisp as mine? Like, I've never heard a movie like capture the sound and audio of, of filming like that. Yeah, it's not. Um, I, f- I feel like uh, for, for me anyway, the, the surround sound experience is always kind of dependent on how calibrated those speakers are. Uh, but I was lucky enough to watch it on an RPX screening. And it, it was beautiful. Like you, like anything from like the sword clashing kind of had that little reverb sound to yeah. it. It was great. <laughs> like fireplaces were crackling. You could hear like people who weren't like the main characters off screen. You could hear them like giggling and laughing or talking. And I, I feel like all that stuff usually gets drowned out. But it really puts you into there. And I didn't even see it like in a special version. I just saw it regular 2D. Um but yeah, like you said, like the the clanging of the swords, like I was legitimately shaking uh, during the final duel. It was definitely, and I've, I've been trying to look up who was responsible for the sound design here because it definitely does seem like they paid a little bit more attention to it than normal. Yeah, kind of like sure. an ILM project. Like I don't know if you've ever had a chance. I you, you did because I, I know we went to see the. <laughs> We went to see some, um, at least one Star Wars movie together where we saw it on the on the premium screen. But um, any Star Wars film, ILM pays special attention to the sound mix. And if you ever watch it in a surround sound system, you can tell every single detail of it. Mm. And that's what this felt like, too. Yeah, whoever it was um, deserves a raise. I could definitely see this movie getting a few, at least, nominations for Academy Awards if not winning a few categories. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, next year's Oscar season because I feel like all the Oscar contenders are now starting to drop. Um, and they've been kind of holding back on us this, uh, for the past like nine months or so. Yeah. Um, did you get a chance to, uh, if, if you're cool with moving on, did you get a chance to see James Bond? I did. Want to give us your thoughts on it i'll give it uh four teary faces out of five um i was very emotional what's that, last, what's that fifth face doing um it's scowling at the other four faces for being so emotional <laughs> at a movie <laughs> about a fictional spy um i honestly i feel like it delivered exactly what was promised it wrapped up the entire daniel craig run of james bond really nicely um and pretty emotionally by the end of the movie uh, this might be my second favorite movie, just right bef- behind Casino Royale. Yep. Uh, it's it's hard because I feel like Casino Royale just has this thing of nostalgia, and if that wasn't there, I think this one might have bumped it out. Um, but I I honestly like I was impressed. Uh, Rami Malek I think sold it really well as the villain. Uh, everything was kind of tied out really nicely by the end of it. Um, and not to kind of get into spoilers or anything here, but I feel like uh, I think I asked you this on, on the last um, podcast, either on the on the show or out, offline. But I think I asked, like, does this tie it up the way that the Dark Knight Rises tied it up for Christian Bale's Batman? Um, and yeah, I got my answer. It, it pretty much does. <laughs> um, it, it it's it's funny because I know there's been a lot of talk about who the next James Bond is going to be. Like, is it going to be? You know, are we going to go with like a female James Bond? Like, what are we going to do? 
Um, and it kind of like dawned on me that, you know, this is really, truly well the end of an era by the end of the movie, uh, which, uh, you know, like it's 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 hard to fathom when. Uh, when an actor that has done it for so long is now kind of stepping off of the role. But yeah, I mean, he, he wrapped it up pretty nicely. Um, I'm just. Um, I'm happy that, you know, it was able to deliver on, on most of the expectations I had. Yeah, and I think we can get into um, a couple spoilers uh, if we wanted to, but I, it probably is like too soon to be like, and who's the next Bond? Like, just enjoy what you've got, kind of thing. But I thought they did a possible, like a possible service to themselves of just setting up a new 007 where you could keep these people, these casts going. Like you could keep Ralph Fiennes as M going, and have the new 007 take over. Or we can do a brand new James Bond. <laughs> I mean, we can, but I don't see why you need to. Yeah, I hope they don't. I hope they kind of leave it untouched for another five or six years or so at the very least. Um, but who knows? I feel like studios are always eager to franchise everything out. So I was um, I was kind of excited to see that they definitely didn't leave anything to the imagination, per se. Uh, so they do continue the franchise up. They, they they would have to kind of rely on some of the newer characters for the franchise. Yeah, I'm I'm happy that it wasn't like an Inception type of ending where it's like, did he die or did he survive? Like, I'm I'm glad it's like mm, there's no way he got out of it. There's he they just didn't want to show you the bloody explosion of uh of missiles landing on him, but uh. I think it's awesome that like he got to go out as the hero and like the only way to bring him down was for a villain to be willing to die as well. So like, that's what made Rami so good in that role. It's like, he didn't care about beating bond and being able to survive to see it. He was like, uh, like I'm a suicide bomber. I'm taking you with me. Whenever they do these definitive endings for, for films and for any franchise, I feel like I, it's, it's, it's encouraging to see because there's always that temptation of like, oh, maybe we can revisit in a couple of years or so. But yeah, this definitively uh, closes the chapter. I will say, though, that like when I realized it when Rami like jumped back out in that reflection pool when Bond went back the second time. I realized, like, we didn't really get that much of him. And, like, this is his final scene. You can tell it's, like, his turn is done in this movie. And he just did such a good job that I just wish I could have gotten a little bit more with him. He he impressed me for sure. And I, I feel like, especially when he was cast, it, it was, like, he was riding a high, right? Like, because, like, he was popping up in a lot of projects. Because um, this was shot a little while ago now at this point. Yeah, I want to say this was, like, for him, it was like right after Bohemian Rhapsody. And then the only reason it didn't release any closer was because they kept pushing it back. Uh, but yeah, it's it wasn't his movie. And I understand that, too, where this isn't about building him up as a future villain. It's just about giving Bond like a credible threat. And he pulled it off very nicely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Are, are you going to go back now and, and watch all these older bond films um i don't know about like the older bonds like pierce or um sean connery or any of them but like 
I, I, this week I have gone back and rewatched like Casino Royale, Quantum, and Skyfall. Because um, I think I'm going to go one more time to see No Time to Die in theaters. Uh, but rewatching all those movies, it's just like, it gives me such a good appreciation for, for No Time to Die. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend you'd watch at least like some of the Sean Connery stuff because I feel like he, he, he really played a good, each Bond I feel like reflects the era of those movies um and daniel craig i think did an excellent job of kind of defining these like mid 2000s to like i guess 2020s now hard to believe yeah they, they did such a good job writing in like somewhat of real world events into the movies but then obviously having their own make-believe world as well like dying of the day was a good movie too yeah, I guess I should probably go back and watch them. They're a good binge. It's a you... lot of homework. I know it is. <laughs> There's a lot of history there. Um, but yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. I, I and I probably will go back and watch it at least one more time. Um, I I do have Casino Royale queued up on my Apple TV this evening. So nice. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's let you uh go get to it. This week we have Dune coming out, um, both in theaters and on HBO Max. So yes. we'll we'll watch that and then give you our thoughts on that, and then Eternals after that, and so many movies, so little time. So little time. That and would be so... the name of our James Bond movie. So many movies, <laughs> so little time. Yeah, it's a good choice. Um, I think that we're how how many weeks are we from Eternals? Like two or three weeks, right? Two point. weeks now. It's November fifth. Yeah, there was a fan screening yesterday here in uh in the I city. I saw that. I'm like staying away from Twitter to not get any spoilers. Yeah, people are talking about something in particular, and I'm just like trying to avoid whatever the heck it means. But I'm like, all right, this is like the golden age for leaks, I guess. It really is. Everyone just wants to be the first to say something. Yeah. Speaking of being the first to say something. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I've seen Dune. I will say nothing about it, but um, we'll talk about it when we talk about it. I, I, I got a lot to say about it, but that definitely is probably for another occasion. Um, I have an idea of what happens because I saw Chronicles of Riddick. With Vin Diesel? Yeah, which is what Dune looks like to me. I love Chronicles of Riddick. Honestly, it wasn't like a terrible movie. <laughs> You know what other movie I like that people, for some reason, like bashed when it came out? John Carter of Earth. Oh, yeah. That was actually pretty good. Like, I it liked was goofy, it. but good. Yeah. I was like, out of all the movies, though, like, Riddick did get sequels, I feel like, right? Like, at least two other ones. Um, I don't think so. Maybe I'm You're thinking of The Pacifier. Yeah, maybe. Or... <laughs> Or maybe I'm just confusing one of the Fast and the Furious movies or whatever. Wherever That's probably else, it. Wherever else Vin Diesel put on uh, sunglasses and walked away from role. explosion. Yeah, exactly. All, All right. right, so let's get it. Let's uh, let's get out of the booth and call it there. All right. Well, if we missed anything, which we did, <laughs> uh, hit us up at what, what's what's our handle again? Emmett? BT Fourth Wall. Four being four th. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> active. Right. We're active on there. <laughs> clearly, clearly we are. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.